I grew up in small town and I was the only African-American student in K through 12. I was non-traditional. And there are so many stereotypes that surrounded what I should or shouldn't be able to do that if I believed those things, I wouldn't be able to have the life that I knew that I was meant to have. That's where I understood, like, this is my non-traditional place. They don't expect me to be here. This gives me every right to win because they will always underestimate the power that you have when you're in a space where they don't see you belonging. Great companies are all about the people. Good people become great leaders, mentors for work and life. Welcome to Learnings from Leaders, the P&G alumni podcast. I'm Raman Segel, recovering marketer. And I'm Ida Abdalkani, a chief catalyzer. Raman and I both got our start at P&G, the Procter & Gamble company, where we had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And as you may know, many leaders across industries got their start at P&G. In this series, through conversations with fellow P&G alums, we hope to go deeper with the leaders you already know, but want to know more about. It's kind of like bringing a microphone to a cup of coffee. On today's show, we're talking to P&G alumni leader, Derek Bucher, Senior VP and Head of Brand for Thayer's Natural Remedies at L'Oreal. It was a great conversation about finding your power in non-traditional paths, tips on how to embrace being underestimated, and setting an example because there's always someone watching and learning. Here's a quick bio. Derek Bucher is currently the Senior Vice President and Head of Brand for Thayer's Natural Remedies at L'Oreal but has had a varied path before joining a beauty-focused company. Armed with a degree in microbiology from Miami University, Derek started his career with medical and consumer brand marketing roles in oral care at P&G. He is an accomplished research scientist, having led the clinical claim support strategy as a clinical trial manager for P&G's North American Oral Care R&D organization. He then went on to join Pfizer, where he worked on prescription to over-the-counter switching, Advil, and pediatric brands. In 2020, Derek was recognized among the top 100 under 50 emerging and executive leaders by Diversity MBA Chicago and continues to inspire leaders with his authentic leadership and focus on building relationships and leaning into our truths. What I love about our conversation is Derek's love of science and learning. He uses things that scare him as learning opportunities. I think many of us can relate to a feeling of not belonging in some way. And Derek reframes these feelings and experiences as ways to embrace being underestimated and to surprise others with your examples of excellence. He reminds us that we feel the truth and that we should lean into our authenticity because others feel our energy. So let's dive in. We hope you will enjoy our conversation with Derek Booker. Today, we're talking to Derek Booker. Senior VP and Head of Brand, Thayer's Natural Remedies at L'Oreal. Derek, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. It is so great to be here. Derek, I'm so excited to talk to you. We are great friends. You've been a client of mine. We're also P&G alums. But before we dig in, I would love to know a little bit about who you were from before you started your career journey. Wow. For me, who have always been, I would say, is I've been a scientist at heart. I would say that my first love is actually science. When I was growing up, I remember vividly, I actually didn't attend preschool. My uncle took care of me 
from the time I was uh, three, uh, of course, with my two loving parents. But my uncle would always take me out and show me nature. So every day was a new adventure of understanding about trees, plants, and water, and animals, and different chemical reactions, and all types of things that really made me excited about how the world worked and the world and environment around me, which is probably why I still to this day say science is my first love. You have, I would say, not the typical background for people that go into marketing, right, with a microbiology undergraduate degree. So hearing that about your uncle, your first love is science, what made you decide then to pursue microbiology in undergrad? Believe it or not, what inspired me to follow microbiology was the fact I was terrified, almost phobic, of microbes. I didn't understand them. I didn't know what they were. And I could not fathom how something that I couldn't see could cause so much destruction. And for me, the biggest way of tackling your fear is just to learn about it and do your best to become an expert on it. So I decided to study microbiology to understand more about how to tackle this fear that I had against germs. I love that. The, just the idea of being able to learn about the things that we don't know so that we don't fear them. That's exactly it. And yeah. I think that's been the foundation of everything that I try to do. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, how has that foundational approach, right, about not wanting to fear things that you don't know affected you as you've thought about your career? Like, is there one maybe key point in your life where you thought about your career journey and said, I'm really afraid of this, therefore I'm going to go learn X? I would say yes. For me, that's actually the key motivator for me to pursue that. When I even moved into marketing, I didn't understand, you know, coming from a science background, working as a microbiologist, I didn't understand what a marketer or a brand manager even did. So I wanted to pursue something that allowed me to connect cross-functionally, internally, as well as have a broader impact externally. So marketing came to my radar, and it was actually by the recommendation of one of my mentors at the time that suggested P&G marketing would be a great opportunity for me to, to achieve that. So I went in and jumped full force into the pool of, of, of P&G marketing. And I didn't know anything about marketing. Prior to that, I had taken one marketing class and I was working on my part-time MBA. To say I was an expert in marketing or even business for that matter would be incorrect. But that was exactly the reason why I wanted to do it. If there was ever a place to learn marketing and brand building, Procter & Gamble would be the place to learn it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why many of us have gone, right? It's definitely great training ground. But you, you know, having that really, I think, unique pathway with your background and you worked on clinical trials, right? So can you take us through a little bit of that? Like, how were you perceived maybe as you joined the organization as someone who didn't have the straight marketing path or the straight marketing background? And what were some of the challenges involved with that? Wow, that was a, that's a multifaceted question. <laughs> <laughs> I think... You know, I always say the traditional or non-traditional path, whatever road you decide to take, 
for me, it was sort of what would some would define as non-traditional. That's actually where you find your power. Because in that place, you are forced to be vulnerable. You're forced to accept the world and the environment around you. And understanding the context in which operate in that new space just accelerates your learning in a way that really stretches your mind, stretches your approach, makes you build relationships because you rely on them so much to be able to integrate and perform in that that role. Now, as I think about what that meant for me as a scientist, the scientific method is the underpinnings of everything I do. I think science is basically, for me, is, is, is about the curiosity and the ability to test something to see if you can answer a question. And I think in marketing, as brand marketers or brand builders, there are a myriad of questions, both as the leaders of the brand, our consumers have, the industry has, and it's in those questions that you can design the experiments to understand how to make breakthrough moments for our consumers and really accelerate brand growth change organizations, and develop talent. Well, I have to go back to something you said at the beginning because I think it's really powerful. You said that in non-traditional paths is where we find our power. And I'm wondering with you, since I, I know you personally, and one of the things I love about you is your authenticity and you inspire me all the time. I don't know. I probably don't tell you this enough. But oh, thank you. in your personal life, in work, you're always giving me these little tidbits, you know, of, <laughs> of thoughts that are really succinct, but impactful. And what I love about your approach to life is exactly what you just said is I feel like you're always trying to find your power and also empower others to find theirs. And I'm wondering, when you mentioned the non-traditional path, right, we're talking about your education and career, but I think you also have some non-traditional things on the personal side. And so I'm wondering, did that piece come to you because of the personal side or vice versa in terms of, of you starting to think about this idea of finding your power through non-traditional paths? I think it was, for me, it was formed early on in the formidable years when I was, when I was growing up. I grew up in small town Ohio, and I went to a school that was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And there were not very many brown students there. And I was the only African-American student in K through 12. Wow. And I was non-traditional. And there are so many stereotypes that surrounded what I should or shouldn't be able to do that if I believed those things, I wouldn't be able to have the life that I knew that I was meant to have. Mm -hmm. So you know, for instance, the stereotypes of I should be good at sports, I should be not good at math. I, there's so many things that yeah. that was sort of put on me at a very young age and that I didn't understand. I just knew it wasn't true to me. And I didn't want to do sport. I did love math. I did love science. And those were all the things that not only was I not supposed to do, quote unquote, but it was unexpected that I was able to do those. And that's where I understood, like, this is my non-traditional place. They don't expect me to be here. This gives me every right to win because they will always underestimate the power that you have when you're in a space where they don't see you belonging. 
And so that's what I began to utilize at a very early age is I can be powerful, not because I think I should or shouldn't be here, but because I am here. Wow, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> it, well, because it's such a wonderful way to reposition the idea of not belonging, right? Instead of us shrinking, which I think a lot of us do when we feel like we don't belong or we're different than everybody else, you're instead using that to rise up and say, no, this is actually my superpower, right? The, me not belonging is my way of showing up and showing everybody what is possible and what can be done. And I just think a lot of people don't think of that perspective often enough. So I think that that's really a powerful thing for us to remember. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always, you know, as I've, you know, advanced my career, I realize even in those, those beginning stages of being in school, being in college, my first career role, people are watching you mm -hmm. and not watching you from a scrutiny, but they're watching you because they want to understand how you got there. There's something about every aspect of every person that I've ever met that inspires and can be inspirational. And so there's always someone who's looking at what you're doing and saying, wow, I might want to do that and being able to apply that to their own life experiences. So it gives you even more forgiveness. I, I like to say, you know, a little bit of grace goes a long way of being your true self because there's someone out there who's quietly watching, taking notes and being inspired by the things that you do every day. Yeah. There, there is always somebody watching and I, Love that you brought this up because this is exactly why we do this podcast, right? It's the idea that there are listeners that are watching, right? Listening so that they can learn from people like you, people that have already done what they hope to be able to achieve in the future. And so that they can learn from both the wins and also some of the challenges and help them accelerate faster, or help them think about things differently. Um, and so to that end, I want to dig in a little bit into the different companies that you've been at, because you've had a career that spans a lot of different types of companies, right? I mean, all within the CPG framework, right? But P&G, then at Pfizer, more into consumer health, right? Moving from, from oral care into RX, right? And moving into our, uh, OTC switching. And now you're at a beauty company. Yeah. So. Take us through that a little bit about some of the different dynamics from moving from those different focuses. Take us through that a little bit about, you know, navigating, because I think that's really interesting to, to a lot of people thinking about their own career path. Wanting to make a jump to another company is always scary, I think. But you've not only done that, you've also changed the focus, right, in terms of industry. And so just wondering, what was some of the learning as you've navigated that or maybe alternatively advice that you have to navigate that? Oh, wow. So I'll start with the first piece, which is leaving PNG. I, I think of PNG as my first, my first real corporate immersion. And I look back on my days at PNG with such fondness and I, Still, I'm in touch with a lot of people that I work with on a daily basis there. 
most brilliant people I've had the opportunity to work with, and they inspired me in so many ways. But and in many ways, the idea of this authentic version of myself was really solidified at PNG. And not only did they embrace it, they celebrated it. Mm. So when I went to the next organization, that I took that with me. I learned that aspect of it's not necessarily what you do, it's how you make people feel while you're doing it. And I took that with me to Pfizer. And when I went to Pfizer, when I was in the RX to OTC switch role, it was about redefining a category that didn't even exist uh, as we were working on sleep and sleep maintenance, which most of the products that we have in the market help you fall asleep. This was to help you stay asleep. And it was a new molecule. And when I went into Pfizer, that I would say that was the, the piece of really getting into those relationships that you build and reinforcing the importance of those relationships early on and letting everyone know very quickly that relationship building is very, very important to me. It's the number one reason why you're going to be successful or you might meet challenges in any role that you're in. So making that piece, I really began to lean more on developing meaningful and authentic mentor relationships. And it's through that I was able to navigate and navigate, uh, whether it be ARCs to OTC or Advil or the pediatric platform, and understand ways of connecting with the consumer, brands, as well as the organization in different ways. And it's through that guidance that helped lead me into different aspects of, of those roles and be be in a position to really embrace the learning that I had in each one of those roles. And I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. It can be terrifying. It can, it, it can hurt to grow. But you know that you're on the right path because you know the truth by the way it feels. And that is the thing that I brought with me. It's also through that you have those unexpected moments where your mentor or someone who really knows you authentically see something in you that you don't see yourself and they highlight that and have the strength and the courage to tell you that about yourself that can lead you in a direction that can actually change you for the better and those around you. Um, that's what happened at PNG. That's what happened at Pfizer. And that is ultimately what led me to L'Oreal. So I have to just pause here because there was a quote I mentioned this earlier. You're full of inspiring, succinct quotes. You said, you know the truth by the way it feels. I just want to take a moment to pause on that because that is such good life advice, not just career advice, right? To remember that it's not all about what makes sense on paper. Because I think a lot of times, especially in our careers, we do a lot of what makes sense on paper, right? It checks boxes and this is the right career move, right? Or the career ladder that some people talk about. But what you're bringing it back to is feeling, yeah, right? And knowing that it feels like the right place to be, whether that's personal or professional. And I think that is an art that we learn with experience and something that I wish I had heard more of, to be honest, early in my career. Instead of following what was prescribed to me, what checked off boxes, what made sense, 
really to follow my own truth. And I think the sooner we learn that and also embrace that, the happier we can be in both personal and professional lives. Yes. And also the happier you'll make others. Yeah. Because when you are able to really live in that truth and really celebrate what that might mean, and I'm not wanting to create that it's going to be all perfect or rosy or or it's going to feel great all the time, but you do give off an energy when you're in the right place. And that makes people around you feel at ease. They're able to elevate themselves. They're able to push forward. They're able to connect more seamlessly as a group and collaborate. So it's also that truth that you walk in. It gives vibrations out to others and allows them to really sink along with that and find ways of existing in the space that you create. Well, you know I'm into numerology and all of that, so we're not we're not going to go down that sidetrack <laughs> right now. But you're speaking my language about energy and vibration. But let's circle back to something that you said. I think is really critical. Um, again, in professional and personal, you know, journeys, which is relationship building. I think that again for me, early in my career, I did not realize the importance of that. I just wanted to focus on this is my project, you know, I've got these tasks, I need to knock them out. And the relationship building is something that I learned over time. I mean, I love people. I've always loved people, but I also was just so laser focused on the business and making sure that I delivered right on my projects. So I'm wondering the relationship piece that you mentioned, did you have any mentorship along the way to figure that out? Is that something you just figured out through trial and error, through your own experiences or you know, how did you come about to that understanding? Well, it goes back to a place where you don't see yourself. So for instance, when I went from being a scientist or moving into marketing or the commercial side of, of an organization, I didn't know anything about business. So I had to connect with people who were living and walking in that journey in order to, to have an impact or I'm only going to bring my point of view. And it's through that I realized the power of vulnerability. When you go to people and you ask for help, people perceive you in a different way. And I think that's one of the pieces of advice I would give to anyone is help and asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's the ultimate sign of maturity and strength. The ability to be vulnerable opens doors. and. That's what I did when I was early on in my career. I would, I, would, I would ask questions. I would seek help. And what I learned through that is people want to help. People want to help you. They want to help you when they have that one-on-one relationship with you because the business is an aspect of what you do, but it's really a manifestation of who you are. And people want to do the right thing. I genuinely believe that. And so... I would seek out help, I would get the help, and through that, I would build deeper connections. And through those deeper connections, I would get insights on myself. I call them my blind spots that open the door to other things. I remember having a conversation with my mentor who said, you have this really great skill of doing this thing. And it was talking specifically about collaboration. And you're very strategic. 
I really think you should consider brand management here. And I was like, oh, why, why would I want to do that? I could, my MBA is in finance. Why would I want to do that? I, I want to do this instead. And he's like, because the skill set that you have brings people together. And bringing people together is how you build a business. So I said, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> and it was that blind spot that I didn't see. And it felt like everything in my professional life fell into place. Everything seemed to click. And I was, I was very, very happy. And I was, I'm so, so thankful that I got that advice. And then as you move further up through the career, it doesn't become a challenge to ask for help. It actually becomes a practice. It's like uh, whether it be working out or practicing um, anything and practice asking for help. And as you get far enough in your career, there's this one thing that is a fact. You cannot do it alone. You can't do it alone physically. You can't do it alone emotionally. And asking for help is also the gateway to inspire others to rise to the occasion to deliver things that one might not seem possible, breaking out of a comfort zone, etc. Yeah, I, I can attest to this because um, we actually did not know each other at P&G, but met through Pfizer when we were doing work for one of the brands there through my company. And when you talk about the idea of teams and not doing things alone, I've seen you live that truth, right? You have brought people from your team to other organizations that you've been at. You've brought agencies to the other organizations that you've been at. You've maintained those relationships and you've created new synergies, new collaborations throughout your career, even as you've gone from company to company or industry to industry. And I think that's not something we see a lot of. I think a lot of times people jump to these other jobs and, you know, they really focus on what's in front of them and the people around them. But you have this amazing ability to integrate both of those worlds, which I, I personally really appreciate and think is one of your superpowers. Oh, thank you. For me, it's, it's a fundamental thing. I mean, it's so important to be able to do that. You invest time in building relationships. You wouldn't abandon the investment that you make. Right. And those make you stronger and they make other people stronger. And it's through that synergy that allows you to achieve great things. Yes, absolutely. And you've seen that, right? You've had amazing uh, success with your campaigns and all the brands that you've worked on by bringing together best in class people and ideas. Um, I'm wondering, as we've talked about the relationships, though, you mentioned a mentor that got you to see one of your blind spots. And that that made a huge difference in your career, right? It got you into marketing. How do you approach mentoring others? Because I know you have mentees. What is maybe the number one thing you try to impart in your mentee relationships? You know, and what is also something that you think is really important for people that are trying to maybe mentor others in terms of, of some best-in-class approaches that you might recommend? I think the first thing I want to, when I am starting a mentorship relationship with someone, it really starts with, I want them to know who I am as a person and why I want to be there to help. 
And I, I usually share the journey that my mentors have played in my, in my life and understanding a little bit more of what they want to achieve in their personal life. And that is how I, I, I seek and cultivate my relationships with my mentee. They need to have a safe place to be able to voice their concern. They need to have a place to, to share their, their challenges, their celebrations, mm-hmm. the balance of what's going on in the office, out of the office. And they need to have a place that they can feel safe, but then also a place where if they do need advocacy and help, they have someone that they can go to that will be their champion at the same time. And I, I do that because that is one of the most transformational things that I've been given and, and been blessed with. And I want to make sure that I extend that to others. And you also, we did not cover this earlier, but you also serve on several boards. What has been the most fulfilling part for you about being in board roles? For me, about being in a board role, specifically, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the board for Research International. And what I love about Research International is Research International is an organization that provides medical and surgical care and training to healthcare professionals in low-income countries to provide these life-changing surgeries that really impact and, and restore function. And it has such a powerful impact on the community. What I love about being on the board is being in these great organizations, Procter & Gamble, Pfizer, L'Oreal, these companies, huge businesses, a lot of times the skills are so valuable to a nonprofit organization as it relates to building, networking, raising donor funds, whatever that might be, building awareness of the mission. I can take these skills that I'm using to build brands and I can build the same sort of brand and connection that actually has an impact on a life of a child. There's nothing more beautiful to me than seeing children smile because it's so innocent and it's so pure. And one of the things that Research International does is they do a lot of work with cleft palate, um, a lot of work with burn and burn contraction. And when you are able to see a child based off of the work that you've done, smile to jump rope, to interact with their peers the look on their mother's face, their father's face, to see their child able to interact in the world in a way that they weren't able to do before, there's absolutely no better feeling than knowing that you were able to do that by the skills that you were able to acquire at these organizations, at these companies. That's amazing. And thank you for the work that you do there because I know that's above and beyond, right, what you're paid to do. And that's uh, a labor of love, so to speak. So really important work and um, excited to see what you guys continue to do with that organization. Yeah, I really love it. Well, Derek, um, I would be remiss if I didn't get into some fun questions that, you know, reveal a few things that people might not have heard about you or known about you before. What would you say is your go-to vice? Video games. <laughs> We were talking about arcades earlier. Okay, what's your what's your favorite video game? Well, so my favorite video game 
I would say franchise has got to be Assassin's Creed. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love it because for me, it's all about being able to solve the puzzle, figure out the way in, and, and overcoming the obstacle. Or Zelda, that's another one. Mm-hmm. I love solving the puzzles that unlock the next key to the game. Now I'm playing Harry Potter, okay. which is an absolutely amazing game. Again, it's, it's about solving the mystery that unlocks the next part of the story. And it is my number one way of relaxing. It gives me such mental clarity when I'm done. It's a definitely a vice that no one would associate with me. <laughs> but I always try to carve out at least a couple hours during the week to do it mm-hmm. because it's just such an, an important aspect of just being able to process all the information that you get during the day. So you are you more into like strategy games, would you say? Like, do you do like some of the board games like Terraforming Mars and those types of games that take like five or six hours? I'm definitely more into the strategy games, but uh, specifically, I like the strategy games that really unlock a story. Got it. Because I was trying to think of some games maybe next time that we might be able to play together if I was like, I'm not going to do Terraforming Mars, if that's where you were going. You know, but I always love learning something new. So yeah. I am never played that game, so I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll find, we'll find some new ones. Um, what about, I know that you're an avid traveler. What's one place you would like to go that you've never been to? Oh, wow. One place that I would like to go that I have never been to is... I would love to go to South Africa. Yeah, beautiful. That is the one thing that I've heard consistently from everyone that I know that travels a lot is it's the most beautiful place they've ever been in. And my partner actually did a program when he was an undergrad where he studied in South Africa. And he and I have traveled many places since we've been together. And that's the one place that he continues to go back to as the most beautiful place that he's ever been. It's amazing. I can attest to that. Uh, I got to go for the World Cup and then stayed a little bit longer and travel. And yeah, those memories are just some of the best memories I have from all of my travels around the world. And being able to share that experience with someone, like if you do get to go with your partner, I think just makes it that much better. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're actually planning our next trip, and that is in the top three places that we're considering going. Amazing. Okay, well, let me know if you need any tips on wineries. We did the wine route while we were there. (laughs) I definitely will need tips. (laughs) Yes, I can give you some good places. Okay, what about if you could have coffee with anybody, here or not, who would you have coffee with and why? I could have a coffee with anyone. I would love to have a coffee with RuPaul. Ah, okay. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Why RuPaul? So two reasons. For me, growing up, I had mentioned, you know, being the only African-American at my high school and not fitting that traditional stereotype. RuPaul, at the time that I was in high school, I'm going to be dating myself, at the time that I was in high school was just emerging onto the scene. And at the time, the the kids in school would tease me and they would call me Rue Derek. And I was 
you know, I was mortified uh, at the time. But you know what? You put on, uh, I put on that inauthentic aspect of myself and and pretended like it didn't matter, but it really did matter. And now I look at the things that RuPaul's accomplished in that time period. He's brought drag and the form of self-expression to the world in so many different countries, in so many different ways. Hit albums, a new way of thinking about transformation, all while being his authentic self. So there was a time in my life that I was embarrassed by being even associated with that. And now I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be. That works for me. Rue Derek, I'll take it. I love that. Just another example of leaning into your authentic self and making that your superpower instead of something that makes you shrink. Exactly. Well, Derek, what is one final piece of advice or perhaps a challenge you have for the next generation? I think the biggest piece of advice that I have, and I share with every team that I have, and I, you know, a lot of the interns that were coming in is on your journey that you have in your career, it's not necessarily straightforward. Um, there are going to be turns, there are going to be changes, there are going to be dips, there's going to be falls. And that's all an aspect that's going to help you accelerate your growth. So don't run away from what someone says is failure because failure really doesn't exist. It really doesn't exist. It is an opportunity to accelerate your learning. Don't be afraid of challenging the status quo respectfully and in the spirit of the law. <laughs> you have to have that disclaimer. <laughs> and really take advantage of every opportunity to create problems and learn from the problems. I, I think about this quite a bit and I always share is, especially in the U.S., you start in kindergarten, you know, K through 12, if you go to undergrad or grad school, there's one thing that you consistently have to do is take tests. And when you take tests, you solve problems. Math problems, word problems, history problems, whatever they might be, you're solving a problem. And that problem is what unlocks the next phase of whatever your life is. You say your ACT, your SAT, it unlocks the door for you to get it to college. You take your GMAT, your GRE, your LSAT, MCAT, that unlocks the door for your graduate studies. And so often I see this consistent training of problem solving that we are all given. You get into an organization and you want to create no problems. But that is the one thing we have been trained to do is to solve problems. And just to trust the fact that you can solve them. That's why you're here. Not to shy away from them. Because it's being able to solve those problems that's going to accelerate your growth, your learning. And when you take this idea of mistake or failure and put it to the side as my learning accelerant, it opens a whole different point of view of how you can approach your work, the connections that you build, the brands that you're creating, cultivating, and the way that you can connect with your consumers. I have to say, I love the little twist you put on that. At least I can say for me, you know, I, I always say that it's never, something is never a failure as long as you're learning, but you actually called it a learning accelerant, right? Learning even faster through those things that don't work out. I think that's a great reframe 
and appreciate you sharing that with us, Derek. It's been such a delight to have you on, my friend, um, on our Learnings with Leaders podcast today. Thank you for sharing part of your journey with us. Absolutely. And thank you so much. It's been a wonderful start to a Thursday morning. Thank you. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For show notes about this episode, links to things mentioned, or requests for sponsorship, visit pgalums.com slash podcast or email pgalumpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Learnings from Leaders is a production of the PNG Alumni Network, a global nonprofit founded by former PNGers committed to community, enrichment, and philanthropy. With more than 45,000 registered members worldwide, the network connects alums through global conferences, local chapters, industry events, and online content. Our nonprofit foundation supports economic empowerment in communities around the world. To find out more, visit pgalums.com. That's it for this week. I've been Ida Abdelkani. And I'm still Raman Segel. Thanks for joining Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.